Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in Mon Eruk the end of Chacht Erechor. Agasuligum a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfin. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nachvetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestin Echo. Vientolum again omgrev or corn rachtum. Yatakshatorin Graven or Corson, Elistuhalagus Gimina Fracht, Gorokligs or Dukashin Echor. Only Venown, Thordorakshin. Shachten. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Today on the Indo Daily, we remember Christy Dignam. In a little while from now, if I'm not feeling any less sour, I promise myself to treat myself and visit a it's with a very heavy heart that we today say farewell to a national treasure, the much-loved frontman with Aslan, Christy Dignam. He died peacefully in his Dublin home, surrounded by loved ones after fighting a long illness. So let's talk about the much-celebrated singer, songwriter, storyteller and indeed survivor, Christy Dignam. May as well go home I'm Siobhan Maguire and I'm joined by two Irish independent writers who had met and knew Christy throughout his career. John Marr, features writer and Melanie Finn, entertainment correspondent. Well, Mel... It's very sad news to hear of Christie's passing and uh, in a way his family prepared fans for this with um, a recent statement about the fact that he was receiving end-of-life care. They did indeed, yeah. He ha- he was diagnosed with a rare form of blood cancer in 2013. So he has battled ill health for the last 10 years. I suppose people always thought he was going to rally, you know, he was going to live with cancer because oftentimes it's it's not actually the cancer that people die of. It can be some other secondary illness. And unfortunately, in this case, he started to fail. In December, we know that his health took a further turn and he was discharged for care at his home in Ashtown in Dublin. I mean, he was a national treasure, but his story is most certainly one of survival. It wasn't easy for Christy at all. He grew up in Finglas. He's well known for being, you know, one of Finglas' most revered celebrities and stars. And he really did battle against all the odds. He had a well-known experience of suffering sexual abuse um, at the hands of a local person from the age of six till about the age of nine. And in two biographies he did about his life story, he attributes this as being one of the main reasons behind him turning to class A drugs, specifically heroin, for a lot of his life. There was a heroin epidemic, as we well know, during the 1980s, particularly those from disadvantaged areas around Dublin and indeed the country. So many kind of would have written him off as 
just another person to fall victim to the scourge of drug addiction. But that wasn't Christie's way and he always rallied and he found his path in music and performing. It's interesting that you say that, Mel, because the band themselves uh, would always have talked about the fact that when they came onto the scene, they were seen as, oh, you know, here's the, the working class bands and the boyos from the north side. Because we're from Finglas and Ballymond, we had this reputation of, I suppose... We Being were, rough around the edges. But I we thought I was from Finglas, isn't he, apparently? Yeah, yeah, the side is. You're from a little oasis in Finglas. <laughs> <laughs> a little oasis of wealth in the middle. Don't start that again, will you? Ah, no, Bono's kill. Bono's kill. kill. Yeah. So they were already coming up against some kind of resistance, but it was their absolute aptitude for writing amazing songs. Christy wrote amazing songs. My goodness, could he sing? Now, this might be a bit crappy. I don't know. <laughs> Ave He was an excellent performer. You know, he studied under a very acclaimed vocal coach, um, which is where he learned his craft. You know, bel canto, this is something that Sinead O'Connor, who also collaborated with him, you know, he learned under Frank Merriman. And he took his time and he loved performing and he loved music. And to see him live was something else. And that's really where they grew their fan base. They weren't, you know, highfalutin. They weren't, you know, trained stage school kids. They were people who loved music, who loved performing, and they were authentic. And it was that very authenticity that people loved about Christy. He shot from the hip. He didn't care. He'd get into war of words with various Irish celebrities. And he always said, you know, we never sold our souls. That's what he said in his autobiography, you know, unlike other people. We lost ourselves. As Billy said, we used to go up every, every day, 10 o'clock in the morning till 5 o'clock in the evening, every day. So we didn't, Sunday was uh, the Sabbath. We didn't do it on Sunday. But uh, that was just to have the day off. It wasn't nothing to do with the Sabbath, by the way. <laughs> but um, so we used to, we, as Billy said, because we were, we were looking at the bands and you were getting very generic around Dublin, they all starting to sound the same and stuff because you all kind of mix the same. The guitarist had one band, it'd leave and he'd join one of the other bands and they were all always changing around. So we kind of took ourselves out of the whole system and just locked ourselves away from the airport in the pig site. Just wrote a Feel No Shame album and came out in and kind of launched it. So, you know, they could have had it all. They could have broken America. And that's what people say, like, they were the biggest band to never make America here. Um, and people sometimes define success in playing these global stadium tours around the world to be fated by the Pope and various humanitarians. Um, but for them, just keeping their fan base, that to them was success. Melanie, just talk me through their music career. Well, they began performing, you know, in the in the early 80s and they were actually from the genesis of two different bands in the north side. Um, and then their real breakthrough single came in 1986 um, with This Is, which was famously turned down by Mother Records. Um, and then it went on to become um, kind of this iconic song. And then, of course, we know that 
Christy parted ways from the band and kind of did his own thing for a while. He would have battled his personal demons as is well publicised. Yeah, um, there, there, there was a fallout because Christie's yeah. addictions were really problematic mm. for the for the other members of the band, as you might well understand. Yeah, and then in the early 1990s, um, there was a one, what was meant to be a one-off gig in Finglas where they performed for their fans. It was a long-awaited concert and they ended up reuniting. And then following on from the birth of his daughter, Kira, he wrote their most iconic song in 1993, which was Crazy World. So how can I protect you in this crazy It's all right. Yeah. It's all right. John Marr, when we talk about uh, Christy and Aslan, uh, we talk about their success here in Ireland. But they could have been so much bigger, couldn't they? They really could. And that, for me, is one of the great sad aspects of the whole Christy Dignam story. If you rewind to the mid 80s, there was such excitement about Aslan, in, not just here in Ireland, but abroad too. It, there was a sense that this guy was going to be really special as a frontman and the band were going to be really big. The late George Byrne, who wrote about rock in the Irish Independent and the Evening Herald, saw Aslan in the very early 80s, the embryonic Aslan, and he was struck by the fact that in Christy Dignam, they had a frontman that was destined for greatness. His charisma was absolutely apparent from that early stage. So you go to about 1986 and there is a real sense that something special is about to happen. And they sign for EMI. I mean, you know, a, a, a record label that needs no introduction to anybody. You know, an extraordinarily potent, important uh, label in the history of music. And... The debut album, Feel No Shame, Shame, comes out two years later in 1988. And and it's really good. It's the sound of a young band from the north side of Dublin, from Finglas. And of course, Christy Dignam was always extremely proud of his roots. And it captures the Ireland of that time and specifically the, the difficult, challenging, drug-ridden Ireland of that period. And Christie himself was about to succumb to heroin. And heroin had first come to Ireland in 1979 and it laid waste to vast tracts of the country, particularly parts of urban Dublin in the 1980s. And this is an album that was in a way made from that environment, but also of that environment. And it captures... Uh, it's a great album, by the way, and there's a 30th anniversary edition from 2018 that people really should listen to. But it captures a sense of hopelessness m- mixed with pride, mixed with resilience. Uh, it, it's, a, it's, it's about single mothers. It's about people on the dole. It's about an Ireland that has largely disappeared but as a snapshot of a challenging time in this country, it's it's about as good as it got in terms of music. And you you mentioned at the start about what they could have been. Anybody listening to that album in 1988 would have sensed 
this band are destined for really big things. I mean, you 2 had released the Joshua Tree in 1987. They were the biggest band in the world at that point. There was so much focus on Dublin specifically about what other acts could come out and do a U2. A lot of bad bands were promoted beyond their station at that time. But in Aslan at that time, there really was a sense this is another band that can do amazing things. They had everything going for them, really. Christie's voice, for one, I mean, is it, just simply, it was superb. Um, he was a great songwriter. Uh, the band seemed destined to go the U2 way. They really did. Perhaps they didn't have a Paul McGuinness, you know, who was U2's manager for so many years and was so instrumental in taking that band from just another hopeful to the biggest in the world. But they had a lot of ducks in the row. The problem, though, was drugs. Did you make a lot of money at any point? Yeah. <laughs> did we? Did we <laughs> spent a lot of money. We, we spent a lot we spent of money. A lot yeah, of I mean, yeah. The, 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 what was it in the Pink Elephant? The, 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 no, I mean, if you go back to like... Um, Deal, I'm 19, 1980, to, to spend £30,000 on a Love Me Lately video, followed up by another £30,000 on a This Is video, and, and look, that's mad money. When you think about it now, that, that was going back in the 80s. It was, it was Guns N' Roses. We could, do, we could do two albums with that, you know what I mean? With, with just one of, one of them budgets, you know? And, and we, we lost it. As I keep saying, we, 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 were, acting like, we were acting like rock stars on, 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 on champagne, lifestyle, well, people treat you. wages. Yeah. People treat you different, you know? People treat you that way and you end up starting to believe your own bullshit, you know? And mm. did, did Christy start to believe his own bullshit? I suppose everyone yeah. yeah, and it ended up to... The, I the didn't. I, it's because I couldn't live with the bullshit, I think. That's the reason I took drugs. I couldn't live with all the crap that was going on around the band. It was, the music was getting forgotten about and... It was all about the image and, you know. We look to other major artists uh, across the generations, uh, John, who also had drug addictions, but still seemed to be able to manage or handle being a very big rock star. Yeah, I think the real problem began, though, with heroin, because heroin is a very different kettle of fish. Heroin is very difficult to function on. And... Like so many people who get lured to heroin and then just can't get off it, it just ensnared him and it destroyed his creativity. And like, the, the, again, the great tragedy about early Aslan is that when they should have been thinking about album number two to follow up how good the first one was and, and to follow up a song like This Is, which is absolutely extraordinary. It's still one of the best songs by an Irish band ever. Instead, he was being kicked out of the band and he was trying to get himself clean. And I think one of the great regrets that he would have had in his life is that heroin came into it. And, I, you know, Christy was one of the people who who suffered from it. And we suffered from it in terms of if that isn't too grand a phrase, in terms of the music that Aslan could have made that wasn't made. You know, it, it, this was a band that always existed in fits and starts. I mean, there was, a, you know, EMI dropped them in the late 80s. And then in 1993, when it looked as if Christie was coming back, you know, where he kind of got the drug thing under control, he writes a great song, A Crazy World, it's still emblematic of the man. And they sign a deal with another big record label, BMG. 
and there's another album and that goes to number one. But but even after that, there's a sense this band aren't going on the trage- trajectory that they should be and constantly it's drugs that are interrupting that progress. Constantly. It's fair to say, John, I think, it was Christie's honesty over the, the decades that endeared him to all of us because... He'd be the first person to stand up and say, you know, this, I did this and I'm regretful about it. And he would still carry on the ultimate survivor and and make beautiful music that we could still all enjoy. He's one of those people that is adored by us in Ireland. He is adored. We cherish, we we cherished him. He, uh, he, he, he was... Uh, like a Dublin treasure, it sounds like a naff term, but he really was. And you're absolutely right, Siobhan. It was about his vulnerabilities and his honesty. I mean, redemption's an easy word to say, but like you, you did redeem yourself, didn't you? I don't know. That's up to the, the, the people to decide. The people. He talked about his daughter, Kira, and she's the little child on the cover of that debut album, he's holding her, he's, you know, his back is to the camera and her face is onto it. And it's quite a haunting image. And he talked openly about the regret that he had about neglecting her for so many years, not just because of drugs, but also because of that lure of being the rock star. You know, it's so tempting to want to be on the road and wanting to be away from family. I mean, Paul McGuinness, again, to go back to you two's former manager, once famously said that domesticity is the enemy of rock and roll. I mean, Bono managed fine, and so did the other guys in U2. And I think Christie was extremely upfront about that. He was also very upfront about drugs. He was very upfront about the illness that scarred so much of the latter part of his life. It's kind of terminal, you know. It's, you, you, you know, like the, the end is coming sooner than it would have come normally, you know. So that affects you, of course, yeah. We'll creep into the right, and I think it does creep into the right, yeah. I think one of the things that people really appreciated about him was that he took ownership, you know, about the stuff that had happened, particularly the drugs and uh, the choices that he made. Didn't really go out blaming other people. You know, he just... He gave, he gave himself to us, not just as a person, but in his songs as well. And, you know, this is a band that even up to recently, they still could command audiences here. People wanted to go out to see them. People wanted to support him. Um, there's a lot of bands that, you know, never had that longevity. There's a lot of great bands in the past that would have loved to have been able to command those sort of crowds have loved to have been able to command those sort of crowds. So much of it was about the force of his personality. And a huge thanks to John Marr and Melanie Finn for joining me today. Uh, You might have heard some lovely clips of music throughout. Uh, Some of them were taken from a very special Windmill Lane session recorded by Independent.ie back in 2015 with Aslan. And the interview was conducted by Barry Egan. I'm Siobhan McGuire and today's episode of the Indo Daily was produced and researched by myself with sound by Gavin Hennessy. 
Archive clips from RTE, YouTube and independent.ie. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.